Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us and any silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is I'm sorry. Our Old Testament today is Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 27. You can find this on pages 115 to 116 in your pew Bibles. Please listen to the word of God. The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? Will all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Moses' father-in-law replied, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you, you cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representatives before God, and then and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws, and show them the way to live, and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve, serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter, because they will share it with you. If you do this in God's own command, you will be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all of Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over hundreds, over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Our epistle reading this morning comes from the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 and 28 through 30. You can find this on pages 1757 through 1758 in the Pew Bible. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of God for the people of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. 
The children of Israel were an unruly lot. It's funny how scripture talks about them too, almost like they are just one person who continually messes up what God says is the right way to do things and to live life. Perhaps part of the problem is that they spent a great deal of time failing to see themselves that way. In their own eyes, they were a large collection of individual people who happened to be in the same boat as one another. But our perspective all these thousands of years later is that they were not. They were a collective. Certainly, we talk about a few of the ones who God called to special leadership of some sort, like Moses and Aaron, David, Solomon, and others. But we find ourselves more often talking about the Israelites as a whole. They were called out of Egypt en masse as one unit. And they followed God's pillar of fire and of smoke as a unit. And they made a false idol out of gold as a unit. They were all held accountable for their failure to trust God's promises of water and protection and food. They needed God's guidance and direction as a unit at least as much as each individual person did. And perhaps they needed direction as individuals because they needed direction as a corporate unit. And Moses had the chore of keeping these people together. That was not a small task, for sure. It was such a huge task that he found himself spending all day sitting as a judge to settle disputes. So his father-in-law stopped him and mentioned that maybe it wasn't such a terrible idea to delegate some of the judgment and leadership and to have faith that God would continue to lead the children of Israel as a whole. You're not the only one who can lead the people, Moses, his father-in-law tells him. We are all in this together. So Moses teaches people to help with the leadership, to help with the communal discernment, and to settle the individual disputes. They were better able to see God's will for themselves and the community when they worked together to do so. We are invited into community in order to live out our lives the way that God designed. We are created in God's image, an image that is inherently communal and based in relationship. If we are to reflect God in our lives, we cannot forget this. Even in this passage from Romans about following the leading of the Holy Spirit, we see the three persons of our one God, each mentioned, working together as one unit to guide us. The author, in talking about following the Holy Spirit, talks about the people collectively following the Holy Spirit, not just the individuals. We are to seek guidance from God as a community because, let's face it, none of us get it right all the time. Not only that, but sometimes all we need to figure out a tangled situation or decision is another point of view. I'd like to share a story with you that I found while I was reading online this morning. A few years ago, I was with a close woman friend in a grocery store in California. As we snaked along the aisles, we became aware of a mother with a small boy moving in the opposite direction and meeting us head on in each aisle. The woman barely noticed us because she was so furious at her little boy who seemed intent on pulling items off the lower shelves. 
As the mother became more and more frustrated, she started to yell at the child and several, aisle, several aisles later had progressed to shaking him by the arm. At this point, my friend spoke up. A wonderful mother of three and founder of a progressive school, she had probably never once in her life treated any child so harshly. I expected my friend would give this woman a solid mother-to-mother -mother talk about controlling herself and about the effect this behavior has on a child. Braced for confrontation, I felt a spike in my already elevated adrenaline. Instead, my friend said, what a beautiful little boy. How old is he? The woman answered cautiously, he's three. My friend went on to comment about how curious he seemed and how her own three children were just like him in the grocery store, pulling things off shelves, so interested in all the wonderful colors and packages. He seems so bright and intelligent, my friend said. The woman had the boy in her arms by now, and a shy smile came upon her face. Gently brushing his hair out of his eyes, she said, Yes, he's very smart and curious, but sometimes he wears me out. My friend responded sympathetically, Yes, they can do that. They are so full of energy. As we walked away, I heard the mother speaking more kindly to the boy about getting home and cooking his dinner. We'll have your favorite, macaroni and cheese, she told him. A change of perspective another person's point of view, is often all we need to see a situation completely differently. Another person can often see God's work and words and intent in places we're too overwhelmed to notice. Often when we think about guidance as a practice, as a discipline, we think about God telling an individual what to do about something. It's about me and what God wants me to do in my life and what God wants to do with me. And there's nothing wrong with searching out your individual place in God's call on the community of believers. Both scripture and the witness of all the sisters and brothers who have gone before us tell us that God does indeed reveal things to discerning individuals, but they are to always seek the confirmation of others in those moments. And in the moments where God's will doesn't seem clear, we are to go to our community and turn to the witness and experience of our brothers and sisters in faith. Woe to us when we see ourselves as a collection of individuals with wholly separate calls who just happen to get together every once in a while. We are so much more than that. There are drawbacks to relying on the community to help guide us. One of those is that we are not always right. There is always the chance that another person in our lives is simply wrong about what they thought they heard. That's why Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That scripture is relevant not just in the face of actual enemies or of general despair or difficulty, but in the face of decisions and changes and discernment and guidance as well. 
Another problem with corporate guidance can be that we all have our own worldly agendas, no matter how much we try to give it over to God. Some of my girlfriends and I have a saying we use to remind each other when we're trying to impose our own agenda on our spouses. Sister, you are not the Holy Spirit for your husband right now. Sometimes our place in community guidance is to call out other people's personal agendas that are getting in the way of God's work. But when we seek the guidance of the Lord and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit together as a community, great things can happen. I learned something interesting recently about the Chinese character for truth. It's made up of three parts. The top part symbolizes the number 10. Underneath that is the character for eyes, and beneath that, the character for table. It comes from the knowledge that it takes 10 eyes on the table to clearly see the truth. We have to work together in discernment if we are to find God's truth and God's work and God's direction in our lives. And we are called to work together to find God's direction for the entire church community as well. And this is something I have seen happening in really wonderful ways around here lately. A few months ago, a couple of folks started talking about feeling like this community needed a deeper prayer life. And then a few more people said they'd been feeling the same thing. And then people started gathering in the sanctuary once or twice a week to pray. And beautiful things are happening in that time. The Holy Spirit is moving there, my friends. That's how community works, and it is so encouraging to see it happening here in our midst. Let this be your encouragement, dear ones, that this isn't some abstract idea from scripture that would be great in theory. It's happening here. While other churches of most denominations, not just our own, are cutting programs and ministries with nothing to take their place, this church is growing and adding ministries, welcoming new members in a few weeks, taking ownership over God's call for each one of us and for this community. When it comes down to it, a pastor is only one person and physically cannot do all the work of guidance and leadership for a congregation. I mentioned to Carla yesterday that I've been working on my Calvin and Hobbes style cardboard box cloning machine, but it just hasn't worked yet. Friends, even Moses needed help. And when it comes down to it, a board of 10 or 12 elders can't take on all the things a pastor can't do. Even those Moses put in charge of thousands had those that were in charge of hundreds and those that were in charge of fifties and those that were in charge of tens. And that is one of the beautiful distinctions of the Presbyterian way of guiding the church. No person, no church, no presbytery even is alone in finding God's will for the church. No person, no church, no presbytery is even alone in trying to trailblaze their own path in the world and to find God's will for them individually. And so I urge each one of you to pray about what your role is in the vision and the direction of this congregation, this beloved family. We are at an exciting time in the life of this church. Amazing things are starting to happen, and I take no credit for a single one of them. Perhaps your role is one of praying with others for guidance in their own lives. 
Perhaps your role is to bring an idea to myself or to an elder to pray for guidance and confirmation. Perhaps your role is to urge and pray with others who are seeking a hospitable, growing faith community and help them see their place in God's family. Perhaps it's something else entirely. Perhaps your role is to talk to the nominating committee about putting your name in for one of the leadership boards of the church. It is that time of year, and you'll hear that plug from me again in the coming weeks, my dear friends. But we each have a role in the guidance of the community. So my dear friends, in this time of reflection after the sermon, ask God for guidance. Pray that God will direct this community into the bright future we have the opportunity right now of seizing. Pray that God will help you to see where you can be the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit for others, led by God's plans, not yours. Pray that God will show you what place it is here that God brought you here to fill.